Welcome back to But Why the Podcast, and today we're bringing you some Fantastic Fest 2019 interview coverage. This one is with writer-director Damien Levesque of The Cleansing Hour, a new Shutter original possession film that brings so much to the subgenre. So take a listen. Um, so, and you are the director of The Cleansing Hour, which I got to see last night, and Holy moly, I did not expect it to hit as hard as it did. <laughs> Good, thank you. Um, so talk a little bit about, honestly, the concept. So, um, I mean, the idea of blending a social media world and, and switching things right at the beginning of the film and bringing all of that into possession, which is a genre that is, I mean, there's it's very saturated. How, how did you come up with the idea for The Cleansing Hour? Um, well... Have you ever seen a movie, uh, seen um, a clip that's like released on liveleak.com and, you know, it's sort of grainy, low quality cell phone footage and it's of something outrageous and, you know, regardless of anything, you pretty much just accept that it's real. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I've worked in reality TV for a long time and I know how manufactured things in reality TV are. So I basically just took like, that idea of seeing a grainy cell phone video online and automatically believing that it's real, combining it with the manufactured nature of reality TV and my, you know, quasi-obsession with supernatural and exorcism horror. So uh, <laughs> they just kind of seemed like a perfect marriage, and um, The Cleansing Hour was born out of that. And I I want to say, how did you cast the people? Because, I mean, the, ca- the casting for the priest, and I'm using bunny quotes if you're listening to this interview, yes. he is extremely charismatic from shot one to like the end, even when he's going through stuff. How did you find the right actor for that? It was a really, it was a very long, drawn out process. We spent a lot of time going out to a lot of different actors um, before we landed on the people who were right for the role. And, um, it, you know, Ryan was, Ryan was very enthusiastic from the beginning. And uh, he just nailed it. He just knocked it out of the park. And then whenever we sent the script to Kyle, um, Kyle just came back with so much enthusiasm for it and said, this is, this is incredible. This is like nothing else I've ever done. Um, and, you know, Kyle also has you know, a pretty... Uh, Kyle has a pretty long horror pedigree. You know, he's been in a lot of horror movies. So to hear him come at this with such alacrity was, you know, really quite... Quite exciting for me because you know I've seen all these movies, um, and then the process of casting Alex was was a really big deal because it was a very physically demanding role. It was essentially playing two roles. She had to play Lane and the possessed girl. Um, she had you know she has big shoes to fill because there are so many you know possession roles that have been done in the past. You know how is she going to do that without sort of just totally ripping off somebody? And, um, you know, so it was very demanding physically, very demanding psychologically. And um, it was also sort of a headlining role that, would, that could make or break the movie. Yeah. Um, so we had over 4,000 submissions for that role. We had a phenomenal casting director, Claire Kuntz, who uh, sifted through all of them for us. And when she showed me Alex's tape, I was like, oh my gosh, that's so perfect. It's almost like Alex was in my head when I was writing the lines. And was that's it like, it. was it her doing possession? Like, was she that? was doing the possessed demon. Yeah. Oh, wow. Like, she was doing the, she was doing the whole opening monologue of the demon. And I was just, every tape that I watched after that, I was like, well, it's not as good as Alex. It's not as good as Alex. It's not as good as Alex. So it was pretty easy to narrow down at that point. And that's when we uh, made the offer to Alex. And, 
Um, she just killed him. She and she didn't disappoint. So I feel like I made a really good choice there. And as I mean, just the physicality that she did bring to that role. How much of that was her? It was a real collaboration. She and I got to rehearse a lot together. Um, I because. I was walking a very fine line in terms of tone. Yeah. You know, the movie is funny. It does have comedic moments, um, but it also is serious. So I wanted to be very careful to not make the demon into like a game show host. Yeah. I didn't want the demon to be sort of like Mickey Mousing everything that happens on set and, you know, kind of coming across like a, you know, a, a wisecracking Pennywise. Yeah. You know, and that, that would have kind of spoiled it for me. So um, we worked on, we worked on what kind of physicality, what kind of, um, what kind of movements and tone and way of delivering lines can we do that isn't too jokey, but isn't too you know serious? So it was a very it's a gray area in there. So we practiced a lot of that stuff, and that way we were ready on the day. And when it came to because there's like um, I mean live live streaming culture is so big now. Yeah. I mean you have Twitch, you have Facebook Live, you have Mixer, you have everything coming up, and all these shows starting. Did you look at any like existing personalities to kind of like build out? Um, I guess kind of the the, the, the in how do you say it? like the in universe brand, right? Like the, the personality types that we see that are making the show. Um, did you base that on anybody that you kind of seen, or was that just all from the the the, the, the the short answer is that they were they were all sort of drawn from scratch. Um, the, the movie is, you know, an expansion of the short film that we made three years ago, and the essence of those characters is basically the same. It's, you know, you know this, this, this arrogant, self-absorbed, narcissistic guy and his quote-unquote best friend who is the serious one who runs the show and does all the work um, and is ready for a change. Um, those, that sort of remains the same. Um, the stuff that the stuff that changed really is once we cast Ryan and Kyle in those roles, um, they just took the, they just took the characters to a whole other level in understanding like who they are as people, and that's the amazing thing about having great cast is that they have the ability to give a, a fourth dimension to the words on the page. Um, so we really, you know, in the movie you can really feel for for Father Max. You know, he starts out as this really unlikable person who. You know, is a total a hole, and um, later on you realize that like that all comes from someplace, and that he's a broken person. You know, and Ryan did such a great job at, at just bringing that to life. I will say this: like as somebody who went to Catholic school as a kid and grew up in that very Catholic guilt, very like I saw that. Like I, when I saw his kind of backstory on screen, I was like, "Oh wow, this actually hits me really hard." <laughs> sorry. And I don't know why. Um, but like, it, it was really good. Can you talk a little bit about kind of building out like that Catholic background for him? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it was all very heavily inspired by my Roman Catholic upbringing. I mean, I went to Roman Catholic grade school, K through six, and uh, the school mom, the evil teacher, and there was based on my principal. Um, and it really wasn't that much. It wasn't much of an exaggeration, to be quite honest. Um, I, the little boys at the beginning are drawing a picture of a, one of them is drawing a picture of a demon. Um, I drew that picture for the movie, but it's inspired by uh, a story whenever I was growing up when during Christmas time, everyone was doing an art project coloring gingerbread men. And I gave my gingerbread man horns and, and, and like evil eyes and teeth and got sent to the principal's office. <laughs> principal called my parents and they came down and they thought it was funny. You know, so it was, it was, you know, I had a thousand stories like that to draw from. 
And, uh, you know, I'm grateful for my, for that upbringing only just because I met, you know, two of my best friends yeah. uh, that way. And I'm still in touch with them to this day. Uh, but, you know, it's kind of scary. And I think that there, there could be some better ways of, uh, <laughs> of, of raising children that don't involve, you know, scaring the crap out of them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can, I can agree there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Away from characters, you did an amazing job on the characters. I want to talk about the creatures. All right. The creatures are always my, the practical effects, creature design, body horror. Like that is the stuff that I live for in the horror genre. Yeah. So why don't you tell me a little bit, a little bit about how you designed all of that? For the sure. Yeah, I, I I love that stuff too. And so going into this, I wanted to make sure that we were doing as much practically as humanly possible. And to be honest with you, I would have done the imps practically too, but. Um, Believe it or not, cost was a concern and time was a concern because it would have involved, um, you know, building an entire suit for a man to be inside and, and it would have just been added a whole other dynamic, but that's practical effects for you, you know, yeah. it takes a lot of manpower to put these things together. So um, I'll start with the imps, I guess, and sort of work backwards since the imps are the one uh, non-practical effect in the movie. Um, I had this concept that I want to take a devolved angel, basically, that turns into an imp. So starting with human features and then warping those human features down into sort of this quadruped creature that has like skin sloughing off of it and muscles structure exposed and these weird mandible jaws, um, making a creature that you haven't seen before. And that was really important to me. Let's make this thing look like something you've never seen in any movie, not even remotely close. I can't just off the top of my head think of anything that comes... Close to no. it. Someone mentioned to me maybe kind of a demogorgon from uh, Stranger Things, but like I made this long before yeah. that. So, um, so and the translucent skin that they have is something yes. that is extremely unique. Yeah. Like that is because usually when you see those types of creatures, they're super dark, super muddy, right? Not like almost standing out from everything else. Yeah, yeah. They, I wanted it to feel like they're uh, so fleshy, you know? Yeah, um, and. So that we we did the we did those and we, we came up with you know a, you know we made a three D model of them and then the animation team went to work and like bringing them to life. Um, but then the other effects like the devil at the end, which by the way, spoiler alert, you know, <laughs> uh, I wanted to make a devil that didn't look cheesy like the the man in the devil suit that we're all used to seeing. So we went uh, the, the whole thought process going into this like let's make a beast, let's make an animal like thing with human features so um that was the basis for that we sculpted a we sculpted this beautiful demon head devil head with the, with the horns going in different directions it's asymmetrical and the devil at the end is 95 percent uh practical we uh, we it's a you know it is a man in a suit but it looks way more intimidating than just a man in a suit yeah um and then we augmented the face where we added we added the eyes digitally and we did some heat distortion coming out of the mouth and and then we warped the lips a little bit, but ultimately it's a ultimately it's 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 a practical effect, and even the glowing skin is a practical effect. Really? Yeah, uh, it's a it, it's a it's a luminescent paint when you shine a black light on it wow. and it glows. So um, it, it's just it's a really really cool thing. I'm really proud of that. And the way the devil hatches, uh, coming out of Tommy's body. Yeah, Tommy is, Tommy was wearing, you know, he, he dies in the fire and then he comes out and, then, you know, Tommy is wearing this burn suit. So we designed the burn suit. It was what Tommy's supposed to look like after he catches on fire. And then, you know, we took, you know, pieces of latex and basically ripped them apart over the devil's body 
with a bunch of goo and like guts and stuff like that underneath it. And it's an effect that works incredibly well when, you, when yeah. the devil is hatching. You know, it totally sells. And it's funny, like one of the most common comments that I got from people who maybe aren't as into practical effects yeah. as you or I is, "Those are some great uh, CG effects." And like they just don't understand. <laughs> like, no, like this is that was all practical. So all the devil hatching is practical, and like I, you know, I'm a child of the '80s, and I loved watching Gremlins. That was such a oh, huge, yes. such a huge inspiration for me. And that's all practical. Yeah, all practical, and like the hatching and everything is so great. Um, they, and then, oh, uh, we, and then you know, just everything down to even the smallest things, like um, you know, the fingers being bitten off, and uh, the slashing of the skin, and um, the the neck. You know, yeah. people, you know. It, I even I even really learned something because you know of course I knew that whenever you do the, the neck slashing you know body or uh, effect that you know someone's wearing a thing on their neck but I never really realized how complex that was until I did it. Yeah, um, it, it's it's a very complex effect where you where the actor has this custom made appliance applied to their neck and it is made with a it's it's pre slit so that when they bend their neck back. The tubes that are in there can gush blood out. Okay. But it can, you have one take. So, oh, wow. So, we, <laughs> I had to very carefully choreograph the scene and shoot it so that when it got to that moment when he does the slash, we can get that in one take. And we yeah. got it. Um, it, is, it is tough. It is very tough, but educational. Everyone should do that. <laughs> I mean, we had a, we had a phenomenal uh, company work, make those for us. Um, amalgamated Dynamics in, in LA, and they they are terrific. They are like top notch. It was amazing, and, and this is probably a weird. What this is a word that like horror fans would use. It was beautiful to me, like these small <laughs> little moments. Um, and then three stick out. So there's a close up on Lane's face where there's little tiny bones on her jaw that you can't, if you don't really notice right away until the camera just sits on her for a second. Yeah. And I saw that I was like. Wow, they're like every little detail. Um, the other one is when Tommy's face sticks to the leg, and it just pulls off. That was that, that, for me. That was one of the moments where I was like, "Oh, they really went in on these practical effects." <laughs> and the last one is just the close up of the skin kind of sloshing off the back of the devil. Yes, and I was just like, "Damn!" Like it, it <laughs> I I so thoroughly enjoyed it. Oh, and thank it was, you. As much as I like commend you for those giant moments like the devil breaking out of somebody else's body yeah. it's those like little tiny things that are like they paid attention to every detail Thank and you. It, it, it came across to me as somebody who like actively looks for that yeah um so like it it was amazing Thank you it, so much. In, in that respect yeah. um so when it comes to kind of working i want to talk a little bit about the voice work Sure. Because the changing of the voices and the imitations that um, Alex's character does, um, how did you kind of... It, it, it's easy to go really hokey with that, but you all right. grounded it really well to where it never really seemed out of place. Right. How did you go about finding the right tone for her demon voice as sure. well as kind of making sure that the imitations that she did didn't come off of, uh, you know, too cheesy? Yeah. That was that was tricky to be honest. Like going in, I wasn't sure how I wanted to do this because one thing I definitely wanted to avoid was the you know the boilerplate, pitch it down a couple of notches and layer it with another lower pitched version yeah. of the voice. And you know we did play with that initially, and as like it sort of confirmed what I what I initially 
thought, which was, this is not what I want to do. We have to do something more unique than this. So what's it going to be? And you know, we worked with um, we worked with a sound designer who was just in charge of the voice. And you know, we looked, and we also looked at just doing some, you know, fancy digital filters. And then ultimately, I fell back onto this, uh, you know, the, the concept of dubbing the voice in the same way they did with Mercedes McCambridge and The Exorcist. Um, and I, 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 I had a sort of a dream person that I wanted <laughs> to be cast to do the dub voice, and that was if you've seen The Little Mermaid. Ursula, the actress who plays oh, Ursula. Oh, wow. It's her daughter, actually. She's now retired. Yeah. Pat Carroll is retired. But her daughter, Tara Kossian, uh is not. And she's actually the, she is the voice of Ursula in the next uh, uh, Little Mermaid series yeah. that Disney is doing. Um, anyway, so we got Tara, and she sounded even more terrifying than her mom. <laughs> and she came in and dubbed all the lines for the demon voice. But we didn't stop there. Because I really kind of wanted to maintain this idea. You know how like Lane is fighting back against yeah. in, the mo- in the movie? I wanted Lane's voice to come through still at different moments. So it wasn't as simple as just dubbing the voice. We spent a lot of time figuring out beat to beat how much, how much Lane is coming through, how much Devil is coming through, and blending them. And, and we did pitch them down a little bit. We mixed them together. We augmented, we augmented them. It was, you know, it ebbed and flowed with the story. And, you know, when the demon was super PO'd, uh, the, the voice became more, you know, masculine and throaty and, and, and intimidating. Uh, and when it's just talking, like at the beginning, it's more level, you know. Um, so the, the voice throughout is a blend of Alex and Tara Garcian. And um, I'm very, very proud of this because I, you know, still to this day, the exorcist is probably the best Exorcism movie ever made, yeah. And you know the voice that they did on that movie, the way that they changed the girl's voice, was uh, groundbreaking at the yeah. time. And um, I still proudly say that I think that we had the best possessed voice of any movie that I, any possession movie I've ever seen since The Exorcist. I'm not, and I do not say that lightly. And, yeah. I, and I say that with the utmost humility and respect for that movie and all the other movies that have come since then. But I really wanted something that was unique. I'm very happy that I got it. And I will say, as a viewer for me, like that's why I asked the question. I was like, hey, I, it's I, I, I love the possession subgenre just because there's so many different ways to go with it. Oh yeah. Um, and so like for me, listening in, like those are like the effects, how the body's gonna move, any sort of contortion, how the voice sounds. Those are all like hallmarks. Like, if you don't get right, can throw something off. And every piece of that of the possession is amazing and then the voice was really it was recognizable that you all did more than just we're gonna auto-tune this lower yeah (laughs) which a lot of people do um so i mean yeah i feel like i'm just praising you (laughs) it was really good and hit like all the little notes in my horror heart looks for good i I Um, love that that, i mean i made the movie for people like you honestly yeah i wanted it to be a, fa- a movie that horror fans can love, and it's a total popcorn flick, and that's the kind of movies I want to make, really. And speaking of popcorn flick, like there's like there's kind of two movies going on when you add in the social media element and the yes. comment section that ends up going off because there are a lot of times where like I was wa- we were watching this really serious thing happening, and I just see the the most messed up things coming across the side, yeah. and I'm like. It was one of those things which is hilarious as it was in the viewers. Like, oh, that's also something that would totally happen oh, yeah. if somebody People was watching trolls. this IRL. Yes. And how did you go about adding that comment section to it? 
That was a lot of work too. Most of it was done in a couple of sittings where I had friends come over and we got to give them a lot to drink and we just watched through the movie and on a Google Doc we're all just typing through what would people be saying and they make up usernames and they write down the text and then and then we integrated that into the graphics later on and we went scene by scene by scene as what's gonna be what's gonna be on the screen at this time. And uh you know, I, I really try to make a strike a balance between like the people who are watching the show who think it's real and the people who yeah. are just the trolls who are there to make fun of it. And there were definitely moments, I think uh, there's a, a scene where he's talking about how the merch is all fake and you can see that. I think that was for me probably the moment I saw like the best balance of like, I could see somebody behind their, their keyboard like, oh my God, I can't believe this. Uh, how dare you lie to me? And the other one's like, yeah, like, did you not know? Did you really think this is <laughs> real? It, it, there's a there's a charm and a charisma to the film that, like, I think really comes through. And, and for me, like, uh, you, the it's going to be on Shutter next year, right? Which I'm really I, I'm a Shutter subscriber. And I have awesome. been since I found out about it. Um, like, uh, is there a sort of like watching experience that you want people, you know, when they're watch streaming it at home to have? Yeah, definitely. I, I would say that um, make your room as dark as possible um, <laughs> because it's a dark movie. You know, we intentionally yeah. made it. We, we, we graded it dark. You want it to be dark because it's more unsettling that way. Yeah. Um, frankly, it, it, it forces you to, um, it draws you in in a different way. There's something very psychological there. Uh, sub, it, it's, it's subconscious when you're like, you can't see everything as clearly as you normally can. And it, yeah. it, I, I love that about you know, making a dark picture because it it makes you uneasy. So that combined the uneasiness with the sound and the subject matter, and then all of a sudden it's a different experience. So make your rooms really dark and crank up the volume. Awesome. Um, one last note: the film is also really, really diverse. Like you all have a whole bunch of different locations, which you're showcasing the audience watching. You know, watching the cleansing hour. Um, what kind of went into picking different locations to be responding and watching, you know, Father Max and um, really just creating a, a diverse cast? Yeah, sure. Um, well, having a diverse cast is always super important. No matter what I'm making, I want to have plenty of diversity. I want to make sure that, you know, we're representing everyone equally. Um, and, you know, sometimes that's not always possible if the story doesn't allow yeah. for it. But in this movie, it certainly did. So, um, you know, across the board, honestly, we, we made an effort to... Uh, you know, look everywhere for the best candidates and um, really try and represent different nationalities yeah. as well as possible. So with when it comes to finding the spectators, you know, there's some of them take place during the day. So we were sort of limited to parts of the world that would be daytime yeah. while it's nighttime in L.A. So that was pretty much everything from uh, like India through China. Mm -hmm. So we that's that's why we have the the, the, the three guys in Oman, yeah. um, and also we picked Oman because we needed some place where they spoke Arabic, and a lot of the a lot of the countries in the Middle East that don't they they won't speak Arabic or they speak a different kind of Arabic. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to make sure that was accurate. And then um, Korea was the same way. We want to have two cops who you know having lunch. Yeah. Um, that Korea was I, I chose that because in Korea the police will sometimes carry firearms. Yeah. But because of the way that it ends with the cops, I wanted to make sure I, it was, I was realistically representing police in that part of the world. And because police in a lot in, in a lot of Asian countries yeah. don't carry guns. So um, that was purely a, I suppose, a story choice. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, 
And then, well, even even in Dallas, you know, we have uh, most of the guys in the in the uh, kitchen are Hispanic. Yeah. Uh, and that's actually a really cool story too. Um, we got to work with um, a great organization called Homeboy Industries. I don't know if you've heard of it before, mm-hmm. but um, this is a this is a non for profit that takes people off the streets and basically gets their lives back in shape. They will pay to have yeah. their game tattoos removed. Um, they will get them into rehab programs, and then they will also price them into jobs. Well, they also help place people into acting jobs. That's so, awesome. Uh, we got to work with Homeboy to cast the entire kitchen. Um, That's where where's Homeboy based out of? They're in LA. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. It's a great organization and I highly recommend that everyone check it out. Yeah. That's awesome. That's amazing. Um, I mean it's great to hear as a war fan. I mean it's, in all honesty, it's kinda rare for me to see myself in war films <laughs> and be really, really honest. So whenever I come across a film that like tries in, you know, to be out there, be diverse and like showcase different pockets of People who would tune in and people who would, be, who would you know, watch this stuff. Yeah. Um, I definitely. That's awesome. So, Thank you. Yeah. Um, so why? I guess um, that's really how. Why don't you tell everybody listening where they can find you, find the film, where they can look for the cleansing hour next? Um, the film's coming out on Shutter next year. We don't have an official release date, but it will be on Shutter twenty twenty. Um, I'm on Twitter at Damien Levesque and at Damien Levesque on Instagram, and you can also follow at Cleansing Hour on uh, Instagram, at Cleansing Hour Movie on Instagram, and at Cleansing Hour on Twitter. Um, and uh, I'll, t- I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I have coming up next. Yeah. Um, I've got um, a horror anthology series, which is sort of a Black Mirror meets. Uh, the Exorcist. It's, it's, that is amazing. It's, um, <laughs> it's, it's um, adapted from a book called The Dark Sacrament. It's true stories of demon possession and exorcism. All true stories based in Ireland. And it is, I'm, as somebody who is a huge fan of horror, these are some of the most terrifying stories I've ever read. So I'm super excited to be able to bring them to the screen, and that's what I'm working on right now. That is amazing. I can't wait to see that. Also, I just love anthology yeah. so much. Yeah, um, you you will like this a lot then because it's it, it is it's six episodes of you know non connected stories. Yeah, and uh, all kind of dealing with different aspects of the supernatural. Yeah, that's awesome. That's amazing. Thank you so much for sitting down with me and talking with My me. Pleasure, Jake.